0: Hello and welcome to Chaplain's Word of the Day. I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett and I invite you to come along with me as we explore God's Word so that we can be inspired, challenged, and comforted together. Hello, I'm Otis Corbett and today I want to share a word about blessed people as I comment on Psalm 1. And this passage reads, blessed is the man that but they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, uh, this psalm vividly describes the distinctive way that blessed people live. And to really get a feel for the significance of this psalm and the difference between blessed people and other people, let's, uh, let's flash forward to James 4, verses 1 through 4, in which James, in an equally vivid way, rebuked some of the members of the early church for their carnality. He wrote, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So how are blessed people different from the people that James were correcting? Well, there are several characteristics. First, we see their purity in Psalm 1. We see their purity. In the first verse, the psalmist notes that blessed people are distinguished by their purity, which is found in three things that they don't do. They don't live their lives like the world does. They don't think the same way the world does and they don't talk the way the world does. Now, blessed people might fall. Yes, sometimes they do. Sometimes they fall into the ways of the world because they are human, they're frail and fallible. People do make mistakes. The difference is that blessed people don't make this a way of life. In fact, the Hebrew word seat there meant dwelling place, the place where one resides. And so this is the difference between falling into the mud and wallowing in the mud. You can fall in the mud, but you don't have to stay in the mud. So in short, there is a qualitative difference in the lifestyle of blessed people. It's not about how much money people have, but what they do with it. It's not about how much people produce, but how good it is. It's not About how often people do something, but how well they do it that makes all the difference. First, we see their purity, but next, we see their piety. In the second verse, the psalmist tells us that blessed people have two spiritual emphases. They love to know God's Word, and they live it out the best that they can. See, God's Word is the desire of blessed people. They find pleasure in their pursuit of it. And they want more and more of it. God's law, the one that the psalmist refers to here, is all of God's revelation. And blessed people love studying it. And they never stop being lifelong learners about God's Word. But they do more than that. They do more than just study the Word. They also meditate on it. They also ruminate on it. And the word (laughs) uh, meditate here means literally to mumble or to mutter. It connotes uh, pondering aloud as one makes decisions. You know, it's interesting. Pilots talk with their co-pilots and to themselves as they complete checklists and make decisions about takeoffs and landings and other maneuvers as they fly aircraft. They do this so that they don't miss something important. And in the same way, blessed people remind themselves and their families and friends about what the Word says as they make the Word of God a part of their Everyday life. James 1:22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Blessed people study God's word so that they can live it out, not just so they can know it, so they can live it. Next, another thing we see about blessed people is their prosperity. The third verse tells us that the prosperity of blessed people stems from their way of life, which of course is based on the Word of God. They are pure in their hearts because they follow God's Word, and this causes them to be like a tree planted by a river being refreshed and nurtured by the flow of abundant water. When I served in Iraq as a chaplain, I had never been in such a dry place before. I traveled all around Baghdad and the surrounding areas, and everywhere you looked, everywhere was a shade of brown or tan. One day, however, we traveled to visit some troops at a camp located along the banks of the Tigris River south of the city. The contrast was amazing. Along the river, there was lush green grass where cows could graze, and they were tall, sturdy trees. Although the rest of our area of operations was barren desert, the Tigris River Valley was a long, beautiful oasis. Blessed people are like that. They are an oasis of beauty in the barren landscape of the empty and futile way of the world. Now, we must understand two important words in this verse. First, season means that Prosperity comes in due time, in proper time, which means God's timing. Next, the word does and can imply many things. There are, in fact, 23 synonyms in the Bible, including work, labor, toil, create, build, accomplish, earn, acquire, fulfill, happen. But what this means is, like King Midas, everything blessed people touch will turn to gold spiritually in God's timing. And the prosperity that blessed people will realize comes in two different time frames. We know that Jesus said He came to give abundant life. And we know that in Romans 8:28, 28, that uh, Paul tells us that all things are used by God to bless His people. So from this, we can know that blessed people will enjoy both temporal or earthly abundant life, which is the main emphasis of the psalmist probably, and eternal abundant life, which was Paul's main emphasis in Romans. So, in essence, blessed people have the best of both worlds, in the here and now, and in the hereafter as well. And so, this leads to the psalmist's final point, because the last thing we see in this passage is their prospects, the prospects of blessed people. The last three verses of Psalm 1 tell us that the prospects of blessed people are different than those without a relationship with God. The psalmist says that the ungodly are blown away like chaff. Now, we know when wheat is being threshed, even a light breeze will suffice to separate the grain from the chaff, and such is implied by the term wind here, which really is more akin to a light breath those without God can't stand a proper righteous judgment, and their way shall perish. It will face destruction and desolation, and they'll be like a nation which is utterly defeated. In contrast, the way of blessed people is known by God. He has a plan for them and a way for them to follow. He has a life for them to enjoy. The people of God are like those of a king whose lives are planned and who has who have every advantage life brings unto them. So, in conclusion, what lessons can we take from this passage? I'm sure there are many, but there are three I'd like to share right now. First, to be like blessed people, we must avoid the pitfalls of following the world. We must avoid the pitfalls of following the world. Second, to be blessed people. We should desire God's Word and embed it in our lives and beings so that we must and have to live it out, that it becomes a part of us. And finally, we must trust God and allow Him to bless us instead of struggling to make our own way in this world based on the world's methods and mores. I believe if we do these things, we will be blessed, both in this world and in in the next. Before I go, let me share my new book with you. Seminary taught me to be a pastor, but the army taught me to be a leader. I would like to share how God melded those two skill sets in my new book, Decently and in Order. It's available now on Amazon in paperback and on Kindle. If you want to know more about effectively leading teams and events, check out Decently and in Order on Amazon.com. I believe you will find it eye-opening and helpful. That's Decently and in Order by Otis Corbett. Thanks for taking a look. Thanks for listening. I'll be back soon with another portion of God's Word that we can consider together. Every blessing, I'm Chaplain Otis Corbett.